Now I had it in my heart this Christmas season that we needed and should hear from our first lady, Pastor Brenda Thomas. Amen. And uh, she's got some really good things to say uh, this morning. So I'm asking you just to open up your heart, receive the word of the Lord as she comes to Thank preach God. Christmas message. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Are y'all glad to be here this morning? Well, tell someone Merry Christmas and you may be seated. As I was um, preparing for this message this morning, I realized that we have people from all different kinds of backgrounds, different family dynamics, and I was beginning to think about some of my Christmas memories. Hopefully, you have some good ones. I know everybody has different ones, and they're not. I, hopefully, they're not all the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they're all good. But anyway, I just thought I would share a little bit about some of my Christmas memories as we begin this message this morning. I can now honestly say that the best Christmas memories and the, tre- the ones that I treasure the most growing up as a child with our kids and, and now with our granddaughter really have nothing to do with material gifts. I don't really remember a lot about presents that I got as a little girl, but I do remember special moments with my family. I do remember being in the kitchen with my mom and my sisters, making cookies, making fudge, all these candy. And then not just, you know, for our family, which was a lot of people, there's five kids in my family. And then our our home was kind of the hub for the relatives to come at Christmas because my grandfather lived with us. So my mom's siblings would all come. So there was a lot of baking, a lot of cooking going on. But it was never just about us. My parents instilled in us such a richness of no matter what you have, no matter how little it may be, Christmas is about giving and giving to other people. And I can still remember, you know, my mom's been in heaven many, many years now, but at Christmas time, I still remember making those cookies and that candy. And often we take it to people in the nursing home, which probably wasn't a good idea. I'm sure they didn't need that sugar, but it was an act of love. And then we would take, my mom would find out about people in the community that were going through a tough time. And we would deliver these little baskets of goodies to their homes. And just to see the look on their faces that somebody cares. That's what I remember about Christmas. And then, of course, growing up in the church, it was a small little country church, but every single year we had a Christmas program. Many times it was just acting out the nativity scene. But, of course, often I was chosen to be the angel. Go figure. (laughs) The angel with the big voice that got to announce the birth of the king and the angel that would with all of our hearts sing hark the hairy angels sing (laughs) for years that's what i thought that song said as a little kid i couldn't figure it out why we were calling the angels hairy but we were singing it with all of our hearts 
Still remember when my dad was like, honey, it's not Harry. It's Harold. Oh, okay. But anyhow, so those are the kind of memories that I have as a little girl. And then, of course, Pastor Mark and I were married 36 years ago. And we have two grown sons. And there's memories of when our boys were little. I know as a young mother, you want everything to be perfect at Christmas time. And I remember the year that I was wrestling with, what do I do about Santa Claus? Because you go to the mall, Santa Claus is everywhere. The boys were little. I mean, they were under five years of age. And I knew James probably wasn't old enough to grasp my wonderful explanation. But I felt obligated as a pastor's wife. And the godly mother that I needed to give them this explanation that it's not Santa Claus that brings us gifts. It's Jesus. And you know, that's a good point. But how a three or four year old comprehends that explanation. So I did my very best, told him that Santa was just a nice guy that dressed up in a red suit. But you know, Jesus was responsible for our gifts. So a few days later, we're in, I think, probably Toys R Us. And and the clerk, you know, my two little rowdy boys are bouncing all over the place. And she says to them, so what's Santa bringing you this year? And I think John was about four. And he spoke up and said, nothing. He's just a fat guy in a red suit. (laughs) And I got this look from that clerk of... You are a horrible mother. You're running Christmas for your child. So that's quite a memory. And now, more recently, we are building memories with our granddaughter, Olivia. One of my favorite. Last year, it was Thanksgiving time, and they were getting ready to go home. And I thought, oh, I have this great idea. Before they go home, I want Olivia to help me get out some of the Christmas decorations. And we have this nativity scene I've had for many, many years. And all the characters, the little figurines. So I'm unwrapping all of them, and I'm telling her, this is the wise man. This is the shepherds explaining who everybody was. And then we get to baby Jesus. And I said, now you can hold him. This is baby Jesus. And I remember her looking at me and going, baby Jesus? Yes, baby Jesus. And then we put him in the manger. He was God's son, but he came as a baby and he was born in a manger. Of course, then they had to leave. That was the end of that. Well, she had been having some trouble sleeping at night. She's three years old at the time. And sometimes three-year-olds wake up during the night. And her tendency was she'd wake up during the night. She'd be crying, going into her parents' bedroom and, and wanting to get in bed with them. So John had been telling her when she'd have these episodes, honey, you don't have to be afraid at night because Jesus is with you. So a few nights after they had been at our house, she has one of these episodes. She wakes up crying, goes into their room and then wants to get in their bed. And John says to her, now, honey, remember, you don't have to be afraid because Jesus is with you. And she says, yeah, but what good is that? Grammy said he's a baby now. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so John is like, thanks a lot, mom. I'm, oh. 
sorry. I didn't have time to give her the whole salvation message. You know, I thought I was doing a good thing here, teaching her about baby Jesus. So anyway, (laughs) what does Christmas mean to you? What does it mean? I trust no one in here agrees, and I'm sure you don't, with this horrible billboard that has been protested in Times Square. It was uh, funded by some atheist organization, huge billboard, and it says, Christmas is better without Christ. Thank God a lot of people are protesting that because it is not Xmas. It is Christmas. We don't have Christmas without Christ. And unlike some of these people that say, oh, what Christmas is just about party, food, fun. No, it is not. It is about celebrating the birth of Christ. And then there are other people that may fall into the category that Olivia did temporarily that have the idea he's just a cute little baby in a manger. But what good is that? How's he going to help me? But the truth of the matter is found in the word of God of who this Christ child really is. Let's begin by looking over in Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 6. How many of you are thankful for Jesus? Happy that we do know why we celebrate Christmas. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders And his name will be called, let's read these together, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Doesn't that send a thrill in your heart to know that Jesus is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful is my Lord to me. Counselor, mighty God, the everlasting Prince of Peace. Wonderful is his name. Have you found him to be wonderful? And isn't it great to know that if you need wisdom, if you need direction, if you find yourself in a situation not knowing what to do, he said, I am a counselor. Hallelujah. I will give you wisdom. I will give you insight that you don't have in the natural. And then I love the fact that he is mighty God. And it doesn't just say he is a mighty God. He's the mighty God. He's the most high God. He's the only true and living God. There is no other God like our God. There is no other name given under heaven whereby men might be saved. Our God is mighty. Our God is strong. Our God is mighty to deliver and mighty to save. There's nothing weak about our God. There's nothing too difficult or too hard for our God. There's nothing impossible 
with our God. I don't know what you may be facing this Christmas season, but you have a mighty God with whom all things are possible living on the inside of us. You have a mighty God who's promises us in his word that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he will not fail us. He cannot fail. He's true to his word. He is a mighty God and it says everlasting father. He loves us with an everlasting love. There's no beginning and there's no end to the love that our father has shown to us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus did come as a baby through a miraculous conception. But even this verse says, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. He didn't stay a baby. He grew up to be that savior of the world. And Jesus, all throughout his life, will see how he developed and he grew into his destiny. Even in Luke chapter 2, where we have the beautiful Christmas story. If you go down a few verses, in verse 40 of Luke chapter 2, it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. He wasn't just strong in the natural, which he was. He was a carpenter's son. Our Lord and Savior was not a wimp. He was a strong man physically, and he was a strong man spiritually. And it says that he was strong in spirit, and he was full of wisdom. That wisdom came the same way that we tap into the wisdom. He took the scriptures. He took the Torah. And he began to study it as all good little Jewish boys did. And as he studied the word of God, he began to see himself in those scriptures. He began to realize why he had been born. He began to get the revelation that he had two fathers. And even as you read on in that chapter, there came the day where his parents and family, they had to go up to Jerusalem for a feast day from the city of Nazareth. And they were there for a period of time. And then they were journeying back to Nazareth. And they discovered after a day's journey that Jesus wasn't in their caravan. So they turn around. They go back to Jerusalem. And of all places, they didn't find him in an arcade. They didn't find him at the movie theater. They didn't find him hanging out at the mall. They found this 12-year-old boy in the temple discussing scriptures with the doctors of the law. And I love this. When they ask him, why did you do this? Why didn't you come with us? Verse 49. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? And he wasn't in the temple selling little artifacts. 
and discussing the family business of carpentry and showing him off his craft. Jesus was talking about his heavenly father. As a 12-year-old boy, he had the revelation. I have two fathers. Joseph is my natural father. And you'll see after this account, he went back with them and it says, and he subjected himself. He submitted himself to the authority of his natural parents, his natural father. But he also was keenly aware that he had a heavenly father and that it was his heavenly father who had anointed and appointed him to do the works that he was called to do. I submit to you today, one of the greatest revelations we can receive as believers, we have two fathers. I know what people face in life. I had a wonderful natural father. I was blessed, but I know that a lot of people do not. Some people don't even know who their father is. Others were abandoned or abused or forsaken by their father, mistreated. But you need to get the same revelation that Jesus grew in the knowledge of. I have another father. I have a heavenly father who will never leave me, who will never disappoint me, who will never leave me without help, aid, or assistance. Who loves me and he loves me unconditionally. He has given me the best gift anyone could ever receive. Our heavenly father out of a heart of love gave his only begotten son. The Christmas message, the salvation message. It, it involves two people. It involves two things. God had to give. And Jesus had to come. That's the message of Christmas wrapped up for us. Let me read you this little poem about the perfect gift. He did not use a silvery box or paper green and red. God laid his Christmas gift to men within a manger bed. No silken cord was used to bind the gift sent from above. Twas wrapped in swaddling clothes and bound in cords of tender love. Jesus is a gift of love. We all know John 3, 16, but I feel like we should just read it. We should quote it together. John 3, 16. This is the message of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. It's awesome. Now I was looking at this passage of scripture in another translation, in the message translation. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. Why did he do this? 
so that no man need be destroyed. Woo! Satan is the destroyer, but our father is the giver of life. By believing in him, anyone, everybody say anyone. Anyone. Are you in anyone? Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. The next verse says, God did not go to all the trouble of, of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad they were. He came to help. To put the world right again. Love that phrase. No one needs to be destroyed. No one needs to be separated from God. No one needs to be condemned. Jesus did not come with a message of condemnation. He came with a message of restoration. Have you received the greatest gift ever given? Has nothing to do with expensive clothes, shoes, or jewelry. God wants us to be blessed and he will bless us. But it is so easy To lose sight of the true meaning of Christmas. We will always be disappointed if we make it about things. Have a word for you today right from my heart. Stop looking at what you don't have. Start looking at what you do have. Even if your family is flaky as could be. And you're dreading getting together with them. Or perhaps you don't even have a family. This revelation today, you have two fathers. You are not alone. You are not without a family. You are part of the family of God. And you can still find peace and joy in knowing I am accepted. In the beloved, God, who is love, loves me. My father loves me and he wants to bless me abundantly. How many of you have ever seen that movie, The Grinch That Stole Christmas? Go ahead, admit it. Even if you're adult, you might like to watch it every year. I do. (laughs) The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. The movie, it's about this poor little Grinch who feels like an outcast from Whoville. He doesn't look like the rest of the people. And so he lives up on the top of this mountain all by himself. And he can't stand the happiness that he sees and hears in Whoville around Christmas time. So he decides, I am going to run Christmas. So he devises this evil plan. 
He gets like this great big vacuum looking thing. And he goes down to Whoville and he sucks up all the presents under their tree. And then he sucks up the Christmas tree. And he even gets all the decorations and he destroys them. And he's so happy and he says, now I've ruined Christmas. But something happens. He hears singing anyway. They still had Christmas without the presents, without the tree, without the decorations. And a revelation comes to the Grinch that I pray we can all get a hold of. He says this to quote him, Mr. Grinch. It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. Hooray for Mr. Grinch. But it means more than a little bit more. Christmas means a lot more. Christmas is about the greatest news ever. Our preparation, our celebration at this time of year should be joyous. It is good news of great joy for all people because God says, I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. You can't get a better present than that. God himself saying, I'm with you. I'm in you. I'm for you. Praise God. On that night, many years ago, when the angels, and they weren't hairy angels, just angels sent from heaven, announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. It was surrounded with great joy. Let's look over in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. <coughs> Luke 2, beginning in verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, now read this with me, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And then the next verse says, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord, the message of Christmas, the message of the gospel. The first thing they said, I bring you good tidings. What is the gospel known as? Are y'all awake? What is the gospel known as? Good news. His birth was announced as good 
tidings because the gospel is good news. And it's not just good news. It also contains in it great, 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 great joy. (coughs) Excuse me. And then this is quite a statement for these shepherds to hear. They thought they knew the Messiah was promised and that he was coming, but they thought the Messiah would be just to the Jewish people. But the angel gave them this message, which was a heads up saying, it's good tidings of great joy for who? For all people. All people, the angel was letting them see a glimpse of the heart of God and to see how far reaching the salvation message is and that it is all inclusive to all people. God truly is an equal opportunist. He doesn't look at people's background. He doesn't look at people's race. The message of the gospel is for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Man, woman, boy, girl, rich, poverty stricken, bound In an Islam country bound by the lies of maybe a communist government. It does not matter whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall receive the message of Christ. The message of Christmas. Have you called on his name? Let me see your hand today. Have you called on the name of the Lord? Do you know the reality that Jesus lives on the inside of you? Yes, he came as a baby, but he grew up and he is now your personal Lord and Savior. And he is and he will be the Savior for all Mankind. You know, I don't get upset at Christmas that, you know, everybody doesn't understand the true meaning of Christmas. My heart gets happy when I see people all around the world celebrating Christmas. Every Christmas tree that the lights are blinking on, it says to me, He came. He came. He came. He came. The light. Of the world came. He came in a manger. He died on a tree. And he rose up from the grave. He's risen. He's alive. He's the light. It doesn't matter how dark your situation may be. It doesn't matter how deep a pit that a person has dug for themselves. The light The light of the glorious gospel will shine anywhere into any heart that will open themselves up and receive the gift of Christmas. What is his name? What does he mean to us? We read it in Isaiah 9. He is wonderful. He is the counselor. 
He is the mighty God. He is the Prince of Peace. But I want you to see this passage, Isaiah 9, 6, out of the Message Bible. There's a phrase in there that just so touched my heart, and I believe it will minister to you. Isaiah 9, 6. For a child has been born for us. The gift of a son for us. He'll take over the ruling of the world. His names will be amazing counselor, strong God, eternal father. And then I love this. Say it with me. Prince of wholeness. Prince of wholeness. And then it goes on in the next verse and it says, and there are no limits to the wholeness he brings. No limits to the wholeness that he brings. That word wholeness comes from the same word of shalom. And shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken. No limits to the wholeness and the restoration and the peace that he brings to whosoever will call upon his name. Another passage of scripture gives us a beautiful description of what Jesus came to do. Over in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 out of the amplified version. Jesus was saying this of himself. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the what? Good news. Luke 418 amplified. There it is. Good news. Gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set forth as delivered those who are pressed, who are downtrodden, who are bruised, who are crushed, who are broken by calamity. There's not any broken area in our lives that the prince of wholeness can't mend, can't restore. Can't bring new life into. I know this year, one of the things about wholeness and shalom is nothing missing. I know that there are people in here. This year, you have a loved one who is missing. Someone dear to you has moved to heaven. I know what that's like. Both of my parents at a young age moved to heaven. That's why I get so emotional when I think about Christmas memories. Because the Holy Spirit, he helps us keep those memories alive. They're not gone. They've just changed locations. But the prince of wholeness, I'm believing this for you this year. The prince of wholeness can fill that void in your heart. We can't go to them. We can't, they can't come back to us, but we can and we will go to them. We be, will be reunited with them. 
And that, to me, every year, it brings such peace. The Prince of Wholeness. I think about it. How are they celebrating in heaven? Soon and very soon, we'll celebrate with them. He wants us to make you whole. Of course, we're going to sorrow at the loss of a loved one. But we don't have to sorrow as those that have no hope. They sang about it today. Christmas hope. Hope. Hallelujah. One of our blessed hopes. Soon and very soon, we will see the king. So let the prince of wholeness minister to you this Christmas season. If you're feeling that void and missing a loved one, he can fill it with his peace. And even give you joy instead of sorrow. There's others here that perhaps you've been dealing with a physical challenge or maybe an emotional or mental challenge. These things are real. I know that. Sickness attacks our bodies. Depression, oppression, mental torment. There's nothing as terrible as mental torment. But the prince... Of wholeness. On that same day. When he grew up. And he went on that cross. Calvary's tree. When he hung there. For you and for me. And that blood poured. From his back. That same blood. That bought our salvation. Purchased our healing. And then when they placed those crowns of thorns upon his head and they pierced into that beautiful brow, he was bearing our mental torment. He's the prince of wholeness. He came to make us whole, spirit, soul, and body. I know Christmas is a joyous time. No one likes to celebrate it anymore than I do. But I just sensed in my heart today that I need to encourage you that you can be whole. In Jesus, you already are. But if there's some areas that it seems like there's some brokenness in, people are broken for different reasons. Sometimes there's a brokenness because of a physical attack. Sometimes it's a brokenness because of something going on in a relationship. Or a brokenness because a dream was broken. The future doesn't seem bright. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you. God loves you. Jesus came. To bring us wholeness. The prince of wholeness. When we embrace that truth. Regardless of what's going on around us. We truly can have a Merry Christmas. Because he's the one who's the source of our joy.